Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. And if you enjoy listening to our show, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button on the episodes. Finally, aside from our podcast, our day job here at RiderFlex is to provide recruiting, staffing, and consulting services. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get the information on the services we provide. And now, a quick word from our sponsor and friends at Marketing 360. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Sydney Collin on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Sydney. Good morning. Hi, Steve. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on. Uh, fascinating topic and, uh, you know, device you've created. Want to get all into the company. I actually have a, a mentor and good friend that I used to work for that um, is suffering from Parkinson's. So, you know, I don't have an immediate family member right now, but I do have a pretty close mentor that uh, means a lot to me that 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 has it. So um, can't wait to get into it and talk about it. And uh, I meant to call him, in fact, before and ask him if he'd, if he'd heard of you or the product, but I didn't get a chance to, but I will. But before we get into that, I want to know about Sydney. Tell me about Sydney, the person, right? Went, went to Berkeley High School, grew up in California, I think. Tell me, tell me about That's family. Right. Yeah, family, mom, dad, siblings, early childhood, what your mom and dad did. Give me some early stuff. Go ahead. Um, let's see. I grew up with two sisters, a family of girls. Uh, went to a French-American school growing up, actually. My dad's French-Canadian, so oh. he wanted me to learn French early on. Um, so when I was in fifth grade, I spoke French just as well as I spoke English. That's gone down pretty significantly from from then but um that was one of the reasons I think we'll probably get to this at some point but that was one of the reasons I moved to France when I was uh in college for a little bit to go kind of speak the language and live there um you kind of mentioned I went to a huge public high school Berkeley High uh which was a very interesting experience um my dad is a super nerd statistician, biostatistician. Um, my mom does, you know, marketing is not a super nerd, but very, very smart woman. Um, and, and neither of them really led me down the entrepreneur path. I, that wasn't really something that I had seen as an option for me growing up. Mm. You were, where were you with your sisters? You were in the middle, old, oldest, I, I... I'm the middle child. So my older sister is a year older than me. And my younger sister is eight years younger than me. Oh, wow. They had one, uh, they had one eight years later. Well, was that like an accident? Like, Oh shoot. Oh, oops. <laughs> that was, um, my mom and my stepdad had my, had my little sister. So I think oh, my stepdad I just felt left out. Wanted a kid. <laughs> I see so. now. So your parents, so your parents are divorced. When, how old were you when they divorced? I don't even remember them ever being together. I was about two years old when they got divorced. Okay, um, all right. You know, I my parents are best friends. They always have been. I never, you know, I think like a lot of people have this very traumatic experience of their parents getting divorced. That wasn't the case for me at all. Um, right. I felt really lucky to have four parents growing up. That's pretty cool. And he lived close? Yeah. Yep, my parents lived about 10 minutes apart. And they're still best friends to this day. You know, they go on hikes together every week. They just kind of decided that they were better off as friends than married. And your stepdad is cool with your mom going on a hike with her ex-husband. That's there's no like there's no weirdness there. Not at all. Not That's at all. pretty cool. That's pretty yeah, cool. They did a good job. Okay. All right. Uh, so what kind of kid were you in school? Were you like straight A's? Like I'm the brain. I'm the nerd. I'm the brain kid. I, like you're the ones that you helped all the 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 athletes with their papers, like what, what or it's, were you, were you wild in school? It's <laughs> so funny that you ask that because there, I remember freshman year of high school, I was taking chemistry and there was um, a football player that would always come to me and be like, city guys, you're a work. And I'm like, no, 
do your own homework. Um, um, so I definitely was a nerd, uh, but still social. I've always been very social. Um, I think the, the part, real. Did you, did you get Did you get in any trouble? Did you like get get you know arrested? Did you get like were you in any parties where your dad had to come get you or anything cool? I haven't been arrested yet. Um, I did go to some parties in high school that I probably shouldn't have been at. Mm-hmm. Um, the cops definitely came, but that was a normal thing at Berkeley High. We just had yeah. kind of crazy parties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you were an average teenager, like, but you made good, yeah. good, good, great, good grades. I definitely uh, made good grades. I was definitely a straight A student. I, I will say that okay. I was, okay. I kind of did. I was social, but I also made sure that school came first all the time. But I, I, it was one of those things where I didn't really feel like I had to rebel because my parents are pretty laid back and very kind mm-hmm. of, you know, I would walk out the door of my mom's house and be like, all right, mom, I'll see you in three days. And she'd be like, all right, honey, be safe. Let me know if you need anything. You know, oh, so wow. it was just, I always had a lot of independence. I always was able to make those decisions myself of, you know, what is it that's important to me? And what is it that I want to do? And of course, in high school, you know, you get a little bit mixed up and wanting to go be social and hang out with all your friends. But school is always the first thing for me from day one. Isn't it true that if you suffer your if you if you suffocate your kid too much, right, it, it could backfire on you. You really I think there's a balance in there somewhere. Right. But uh, that's pretty cool. All right. So um, and then yeah. did it, you it was know an interesting were- upbringing. It wasn't similar to any of my friends that I was around for sure. <laughs> Did you know you were going to go to Cal Poly? Talk to me about how you decided where to go to school. So I decided in my anatomy class. So I, I really like to build things. I like to understand how the body works. I like to understand how the brain works. Um, I, okay. And I had watched this video, this TED talk in my anatomy class, senior year or junior year mm. of high school um, mm. about the spring controls. Uh, prosthetic and the people that were speaking were were biomedical engineers so it's like oh biomedical engineering sounds cool and so I started to look at programs that had biomedical engineering Cal Poly was one of them Cal Poly is you know well known for their engineering program um I went there I visited it was an amazing campus amazing place they had one of the big factors that drew me in was they had this thing called the QL plus program quality of life plus lab where they had students that were building prosthetics for people in the community and that to me was so cool that the first year I was in college I could go in and start building something and creating something for somebody and so I I visited the campus and applied early decision and got in and really didn't apply anywhere else that was pretty much it scholarship because you were straight a student I didn't get a scholarship it's no. a scholarship, I think, at Cal Poly is all financial based. I didn't. Oh, I, see. Um, I see. I see. Okay, very good. All right. So you go to, you start going to school. You didn't have any aspirations to be an entrepreneur. You weren't like, I'm going to own my own business someday. That wasn't, that wasn't part of the plan. It was not, not at all. Not even a little bit. I, <laughs> even when I had the opportunity to, to get into that. I immediately was like, okay, well, I'm going to go find some business people to take over this business. I'm going to go back to my research. And wow. um, that was not my plan. It was not my desire. You know, things changed <laughs> pretty quickly. Okay. Now I want to walk into uh, uh, the, your business before I go there. Uh, how about now? Are you, what's your social situation now? Are you married, kids, partners, dogs, cats, single? What, what, what's your story? Yeah, this is something that my co-founder asked me every day. He goes, Sydney, what does work-life balance mean to you? I'm still (laughs) figuring it out, man. I am still trying to figure it out. Conceptually, I, you know, really value being able to get outside and make sure that I'm forming relationships and creating my own life outside of work. Mm. Practically, I end up working a lot more than I would like. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm single, no kids, no dogs, no responsibilities other than my work baby. Sounds to me though, like maybe you've had a few relationships that you scared them off because they're like, okay, well, she works all the time. Like I never see her or whatever. Is that accurate? That's probably pretty true. Yeah. 
I tend, it hasn't been something I've prioritized. I understand. Okay. Very good. You know, it doesn't get lonely. Oh, first of all, being a CEO is awful lonely, right? That's a lonely job. You, you, then you come home and you go, okay, there's nobody to talk to. And I'm wondering what to do. What do you call your dad? Who do your mom, who do you call when you're in those lonely, scary CEO moments? I'm pretty close to my family. Okay. I have, I have, I don't know this is something to, to, talk about here but I have started seeing somebody I I recently moved to Austin to try and become a little bit more of the um in the startup scene here that's growing and creating which has been such a cool experience for me um I started seeing somebody when I moved here and I think that he understands a little bit because he also is a workaholic (laughs) um but it's it is kind of interesting trying to figure it out, trying to figure out, okay, how do I do both? How do I make sure that this person understands that they mean a lot to me, but they also understand that when an investor calls, I need to take it, you know? It's tricky, right? In, in that, in that phase as a founder, uh, as a startup founder, and I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're talking about this. Cause I think a lot of people, um, they struggle with that, right? They, oh yeah, you know, if you're starting a business, if you're starting a business, you're, you're, you're working all the time or you're at least thinking about it 24 seven, right? It, yeah. it consumes your, your life because you're trying to get it going. You want to have relationships, so to speak, you know, outside of work for, for downtime and, and so forth, but it is hard, especially if they don't understand. Is he in startup? He's kind of, I mean, he would describe it as a startup, but they've been private equity backed from the very beginning. So it's not really the same. Yeah. It's not really the same. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least he's somewhat, you know, I think that's also important for, for partners or spouses. If they can somewhat understand the life and what you're going through, it does make it a little bit easier. Work-life balance is important, even as a startup founder, because, because if you don't, if you, if you don't turn it off from time to time, you know, it can, it can really burn you out. Do you have a hobby? Do you, do you, are you, do you do anything or can you, can you put your laptop down any, and go do anything? Any chance that I can be outside, I will. So I like to hike. I like to um, run, bike, climb, whatever I can do outside in the sun, I will do. Um, okay. I don't generally like to swim. That's the one thing though. I won't get in the ocean. I won't, <laughs> I just really don't like to be cold. I really, really dislike being in cold bodies of water. So Whoa. anything that I can do like with the jacket on outside, I will do. <laughs> you moved to Austin, so you won't be cold too often. Have you been there during the summer yet? I moved here in August. So I was here a little bit during the summer. It was hot. Yeah. I mean, I like Austin. I used, I used to live in Austin. Um, but June, July, and August is kind of rough a little bit. (laughs) It is. Oh yeah, it is. But you know, you kind of get used to it and you go to the pool as much as you can and, um, you know, stay in air conditioning, which kind of sucks because you want to be outside because it's so beautiful and sunny, but make it work. It is a good startup scene. Okay. It is. Let's, cool. let's go. Let's, let's back up to, okay. You're in school. Tell us the story okay. about how this, how this came to be with, with Parkinson's and walk me through it uh, as you, cause I think what happened was, I mean, I, I don't want to share, I'll let you share the story, uh, but walk, walk us through it. Go ahead. So let's see. After my second year at Cal Poly, I had met this local veteran in San Luis Obispo. His name's Jack Brill. And he came to the biomedical engineering department at Cal Poly and said, hey, you know, I have this problem of freezing of gait. I know that there are solutions for this. Do you have an engineering student that maybe could help build this for me? And so my professor is now part of the... Uh, can, can you tell the listeners that might not know what gate really means? I know that's very common for you, but some people are like, okay, what so, is that? So gate just means walking. Um, yeah. And so freezing of gate means freezing of walking. So not being able to walk. 
is essentially the definition. It's um, a symptom of Parkinson's disease. It's one of the most common, one of the most debilitating symptoms of Parkinson's disease. And it affects about 60% of people who have Parkinson's will experience freezing of gait. Okay. Um, so, so you kind of freeze in place. You're trying to walk from the living room to the restroom and you can't, you can't move. Exactly. So medically it's defined as a sudden onset of immobility, but Jack, when I met him, he would describe it as feeling like his feet are glued to the floor, stuck in a box of cement. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, no matter how hard you try, you just can't pick up your foot. Uh, it can be a really, really frustrating symptom for people. It's also a leading cause of falls for people with Parkinson's disease because it comes on suddenly. I see. All right. So he comes to you and he says, Hey, can you help me? Like what, what, Hey, I have this problem. I know that there are solutions. Can you help me build something? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so was he using something already? So he was going to his physical therapy and what they do in the physical therapy for anybody who experiences freezing of gait is they use these auditory and visual cues, like putting down parallel lines of tape on the ground and saying, step over these lines of tape or putting on marching music and asking people to step to the beat of the marching music. Those types of cues they were using in the physical therapy clinic. So he said, okay, I know that these things work for me. And I know that there's a way to make them portable. I just need someone to help me build it. Okay. All right. And you're like, okay, great. You love this kind of stuff. You're, you're like, I love building things out of the research. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. And plus it's a good cause. So you're like, okay, yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. For me, it was a great way for me to use my engineering skills, help somebody in the community. I got to be on a project, got to be building something and um, it was just a fun way to, to learn, you know, and, and be able to help somebody. So that was really what was attractive to me about it. Um, And it was, you know, helping one person who could really use the help. And you were in school. So the university was quote funding it, so to speak, or at least but they were paying for supplies. They were paying for the research. How did that work? Yeah, there was actually a, a grant that we got outside of the university that we were able to pay for all the supplies for that. Oh, one I of see. my professors got. Yeah. Okay. All right. So you, all right. So did you start a, a company then separately from the university? You started an LLC and that LLC got the grant. So, so, so the Cal Poly doesn't own any piece of the company or anything. Okay. No, Cal Poly is actually great about this. They have a, a very liberal IP policy. All of their students automatically own all of the IP that they create while in the school. That is not true of other universities and other right. universities. If any student invents something while they're at the school, that property, that IP is property of the university until they create some licensing deal or create some type of deal. Cal Poly is not that way at all. By default, the students own all of their own IP, which is amazing and fantastic and makes it really easy to come out of Cal Poly and start a company. Did not know that. Okay, very good information. All right, so you get this grant and, and you start charging for it. Tell us about what you created. So we basically took you know, the research right, that showed that there are all these visual auditory cues that are effective. We took the most effective visual and auditory cues, uh, which was a green laser line that's projected onto the floor in front of you in a metronome, uh, combined them into a simple portable device that can attach onto any cane, walker, or walking pole. So we basically created something that we could just attach onto the walker that Jack was already using. And for Jack, it actually had the green laser line, it had a metronome, and it had um, like a kind of like not a radio, um, like a little iPod, basically. It would just play like 10 of his favorite songs because for him having songs also was super helpful. We started, okay. you know, when we went into manufacturing later, we realized that everybody else doesn't really want songs playing out of their cane. But, but for Jack, we used all three of those cues and kind of put it in this big cardboard box that we showed him for the first time. That was our first prototype and he, absolutely loved it um and then and then we got it in a not cardboard box it's still huge and we attached it onto his walker and we were able to start testing it and see that it was like night and day for him the ability to be able to walk and move around on his own with these laser lights is kind of baffling wow okay so i'm i'm trying to vision that so and by the way on your website, getnextstride.com, there is a video mm-hmm. and it shows it shows an elderly man using a walker. That didn't happen to be Jack. We video. have multiple we have multiple videos on our website. One of them is Jack. 
Oh. Um, and, and one of them is one of our current customers, John Pistachi. We also use him. And then there's uh, one other person, one other customer that we have in there. That okay. Okay. I was, watching that video. I was watching that video. So the box, let's call, I guess we'll call it a box. It, it attaches to the Walker. Is that how it works? Yeah. So that first prototype was a prototype. The version that we have now is much smaller, much easier to use, um, mm. much more versatile. It can attach onto any cane walker, walking pole. Um, and then you just push a button to, to turn on or off the visual cue or the auditory cue, which is a laser line, green laser lines projected onto the floor in front of you. And the auditory cue is a metronome. And so you're going to like a cane, just like a single cane, like a pole cane. It, it can attach to that. Where does it, does it attach up by the handle or like, how does that? Yeah. Can you show me? Yeah, that'd be great. Sure. I have, I carry around this little like travel cane that folds up. Okay. So I can show you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then the device here, let's try and figure out how to show you this on the video. So this is the device that comes in this little box here. Okay, okay. And it gets shipped. If you open it up, this is the actual oh, device. So it's about the size it of the palm. Okay. And the way that it attaches, you can see these little hooks on here. We have this rubber mm -hmm. band mm -hmm. that goes around. It's gonna go around the cane on this side and it's gonna attach onto the hook on the other side. Do you see I that? I see, okay. So like this. Oh, okay, all right. And we'll pull it around. And attach it right there. Okay. Wow, that's super. So then, that's super, super easy. Go ahead. Super easy. So then the laser line is going to come out of here. So you can change where the laser line goes, uh, how far in front of you it is by changing this. Move it up or down that way, and then you can change also kind of how far side to side it is. Because if you're on a cane, if you're right-handed, you want it to be a little bit more this way. If you're left-handed, you want it to be a little bit more this way, so that it's right in the position that works for you. And you said it made, makes a sound too. Can you play this? Can you make it do the sound or no? Sure. So there's also, so that's the main unit right there. And then there's also this unit that goes on top here that has these two buttons. Oh. Okay. That's going to go right next to the hand so that when you're holding the cane, all you have to do is move your finger to attach, to turn on either of those cues. So I'll press this button to turn on the laser. I'll press this button to turn on the metronome. Mm. Let me get it all set up for you first. Mm -hmm. Um, do they always use the visual along with the audio or sometimes they just use one or the other? They can use either one or the other. Um, so some people like to use both at the same time. Some people will use, you know, the laser line in some situations, they'll use the metronome in other situations. It really depends on the person and the situation that they're in. Okay. So this is the metronome sound and then we can change the speed. We can change the volume. Are they supposed to so step for the beat? Are they supposed to step for the beat? Yeah, so that's the slowest it goes. And this is the fastest it goes. Most people will be somewhere like this. And they try and step to the beat of the metronome every time they take a step. Interesting. Does that work? That, thank you for showing me that. That's very cool. Does, yeah. By the way, does it charge like a USB? You just plug it in, USB or whatever, to the wall. Exactly. We have this little USB right here. That you'll plug into the wall. We supply one of these little blocks, but people have these anyways. So you don't really need to use ours. And um, then you just kind of plug it into your computer, plug it into the wall. You can keep it on the cane when you do that. So you don't have to be taking it off and putting it back on all the time. Does the charge last all day? It'll last for about a week for most people. Oh, really? Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. What if, what if I forget to turn it off? Does it go off by itself? It doesn't go off by itself, but if it doesn't have, um, if, if you don't have the laser light on or the metronome on, it's really not going to take that much charge because all it's doing is lighting this little LED if it's on. Okay. And that's, you know, you can have that on for a long time. It's not taking that much power. Does it work because it's telling the brain, it's, it's reminding the brain or it's making, it's, it's doing something Tell me, tell me why it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. This is, this is where you're going to roll your eyes at me because I'm going to tell you all this brain stuff, but let me tell you the brain stuff and then I'll kind of simplify it for you afterwards. How's all that? Right, all, right, all right. Okay. So the reason that freezing of gate happens is that there's a specific neural pathway in the brain that's getting damaged or disconnected. 
that makes it so that when your brain is sending that signal to initiate movement, that signal doesn't get to the motor neurons that are activating our muscles. So in layman terms, basically there's a disconnect between the brain and the body. What we can do with these cues is we change the pathway that the brain takes to initiate those movements. We're activating the goal-oriented neural pathways rather than the automatic neural pathways. And that allows you to kind of use a different pathway, reconnect the brain and the body, trick your brain into starting to move again without using that broken or, or um, damaged neural pathway. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. So the brain kind of was on autopilot before, but the autopilot mm -hmm. doesn't work anymore. So now you're forcing it to set a goal that it sees or hears exactly. and it acts. I got it. Okay. Very exactly. Good. So with Parkinson's, a lot of these automatic pathways um, become really, really difficult. So we need to set more purposeful intention behind the movements. Mm, okay. I love it. All right. Thank you for showing me how it works. I want to, so you, you invent this thing, you get the grant, you get going. So you're kind of bootstrapping this thing from the beginning. Uh, who, just to pay for the, the manufacturer, or just to pay for the prototypes and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Were you out of school or in school during this time? I was in school during this time. The whole time I was making the prototype, I was in school. Okay. Um, and the, how did you fund the rest of it? How did you live? How did you, I, all of our entrepreneurs and the aspiring entrepreneurs are like, okay, well, how did she eat? How did she pay rent? Yeah. How did she fund it? What, what talk to me about so the, I cash was, flow, the cash flow angle. I was in school for all of this, right? For a while when I made the first prototype, I should say not for all of it. When I made the first prototype, I was in school. Right. Um, what ended up happening was my, my advisor at the time suggested, she was like, Hey, you know, Cal Poly has this entrepreneurship uh, contest where you can win I don't know how much it is now, $30,000 you can win for your, for your startup idea. Um, you know, maybe you should go apply. You know, this is a product that people need. Um, maybe you should check it out. And it's true that after I had, after I had made this device for Jack, Jack brought me to a support group a Parkinson support group in San Luis Obispo. And I had met 20 or 30 other people who all came up to me one by one and said, you know, this is amazing. Hi, my name's so-and-so. I also experienced freezing the gate and have no effective solution. And I remember sitting there and being like, oh crap, how am I going to make 20 more of these? You know, like I don't have, we don't have the funding to do that. We don't have the money to do that. I don't have the time to do that. Like, how are we going to do this? But it's so hard to meet real people right? Who really need this device and it will have a huge impact on their life and just walk away from that. Like, how do you do that? That would be tough, right? Okay. So you meet those. And so I just kind of felt this responsibility of like, look, if I don't do this, no one else is going to. Um, and so that's when I started to talk to my advisor of like, okay, how can we, how can we make this work? How can we get this out to more people? And that's when she said, you know, there's this entrepreneurship competition called innovation quest why don't you go check it out see if you can get some money that way um so so she connects me to kind of the entrepreneurship hub at cal poly and as as soon as the professor that was leading that um in both innovation quest and there's this other thing called the hatchery at cal poly um found out about us he's like this is really cool you need to you need to apply like, I think that you guys have a good chance. So to be able to apply for this innovation quest, you have to submit this application and it's all these business questions. I've never thought about business before in my entire life. You know, I've always been very, very engineering focused, very research focused. Um, you know, like I know what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. I'm really good at math and science. It is the way that my brain works. I am not good at history and English and writing and a lot of these things that kind of go into mm. this mm. application process. Mm -hmm. So um, so while we're going through the application, um, I meet this, uh, I go out to try and find a business person to help me. And that's why I met my co-founder. 
what do you mean you, what do you mean what do you mean you what do you mean you go out to find what what is that what does that mean like I, you went to like a startup group or you went what, what is it what is it you went to the bar no. what, what do you mean we went out what, to <laughs> one of my professors um or i should say a professor that i knew um was he he led an entrepreneurship class um which i took and then he also had led a bunch of mba classes or taught a bunch of mba classes i should say um, and so he kind of suggested, I was like, look, I, I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. I need to find somebody that has a little bit more of the business side of things. I don't even know what a customer, customer segment is or go-to-market strategy or any of this crap. Like, <laughs> what the heck? Um, so, so he said, well, why don't you come to my classes? I have a lot of people that are interested in entrepreneurship. See if anybody's interested in kind of partnering with you to figure this out. So I love it when William tells this story because I think it's hilarious um, because he'll, he'll describe this as like, okay, there's this chick that like comes in the beginning of my class, first five minutes, people come in and do presentations. She's drawing these things on the board. I have no idea what she's saying, but it sounds kind of interesting, um, okay. which is really funny because if you hear, like, you think I talk too much about the brain now, if you heard me at the beginning before I've been knocked down by all my advisors and all my, and my co-founders saying, Sydney, nobody cares about how the brain works. It's not what we're here for. <laughs> um, so I just kind of get up in front of this class and I'm talking about neural pathways and I'm talking about all the research and all of this stuff that I think is what I need to get people, is what I need to say to get people on board. And William's sitting there like, I have no idea what this trick is talking about, but this thing sounds kind of cool. So I want to learn more. I convinced him to come on board with me um, and we applied for Innovation Quest, we applied for the Hatchery, we got into the Accelerator program at Cal Poly. We did not get any money from the Innovation Quest, which is a good thing because we had no idea any of the business, any of the business side of the company at the time. You know, like I got up in front of people and said, there's this really cool product, here's all the research behind it. And they asked me, okay, what's your marketing strategy? What's your sales strategy? I have a product that works. <laughs> like, it'll, just sell, it'll just sell itself like i don't get it what else do you need did you see all the research of why it works did you see the video like i don't get Pretty it uh, yeah. your um, co-founder so, by the way uh do you, can you say that person's name is it private who's the co-founder william thompson william thompson and did you say yeah, come on in. You got you got to buy your way in to get equity. I'm gonna give you sweat equity. I'm gonna you know, just give you. I'm gonna give you half about, right now. Yeah. Anything yeah. about any of that at this time? There wasn't a company at this time. This was this was. I mean, remember, this is really just me saying, okay, 20 more people need this. How am I gonna get this to 20 more people? Yeah, but you had the LLC already filed to get the grant to get the first one built. So you already had a company formed, right? The grant was through the QL Plus program. That was that was separate. I didn't have an LLC. At the time, there's no I company. See. There was no thought of any okay. company really. Okay. Okay. Um, right. It was Great. this like, we have a product that works. We know we need to get it out there. I have no idea how. Okay. Um, I don't All really right. know what entrepreneurship means. I had no intention. I still at this point had no intention of starting a company. At this point, I knew that there was an opportunity out there. I knew that the product needed to be out there. I didn't think that I was going to be the one to do it. I thought I that I was going to get William to you know, find some other business people and they could go do the business thing. And I was going to go do my research. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So you and him formed the company originally together then. Okay. Got it. We did. Mm -hmm. All right. Very good. So then you eventually, you, you have to raise some cash to get more built, I guess. Right. You, did you do some friends and family? Did you do a seed round? What'd you do? So in the accelerator program at Cal Poly, they give you $10,000. So that was the first thing that we got was that ten thousand dollars from Cal Poly. Did they grab a piece of the company for that ten grand? They do not. Okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead. It's it's a grant. Okay. Uh, non dilutive funding. Nice. At the end of the accelerator program, so this is a three month program. Where they're like, hey, this is what business is, you engineers. <laughs> it's not just about building cool products, believe it or not. You also have to know your customer. You have to sell it. You have to understand marketing. You have to understand all these other things. I'm sitting here like, whoa, I didn't know there was a whole other world out there. I thought you just built stuff and that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that's not it. <laughs> There's a lot more to it than that. Um, so I went through the accelerator program, learned a lot, kind of got a crash course in business. And 
we had a demo day at the end of the accelerator. I see. There's a lot of, no, it went surprisingly well. Um, I had an investor come up to me at intermission. I was the third person, I think, to pitch. There's 10 companies, eight to 10 companies. Might have been eight companies. Somewhere along um, the line, you somewhere along the line, you and William decided that you were the better speaker and, and better in front of people. So you were the pitch person. I never decided this. I don't know how this got decided. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I think William was just like, you understand the research. So if people ask you questions, that'll be better. I don't know. William's always had much more kind of uh, has believed in me a lot more than I have from the very beginning. Um well, he was definitely the person that pushed me into into kind of leading the company and being the CEO. Okay, um, very good. All right, all right, very good. And he's well, that's good that he so, followed you. But I will, you through it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've learned a lot from him in this whole process. I'm very grateful to have him on board. Um you were gonna say but something. Before demo day, like a week before demo day. I almost backed out of doing the presentation. I'm like, this shouldn't be me. You've seen me do these presentations. I am so awkward in front of people. I get so nervous. All I want to do is talk about the brain. When I get really nervous, I ramble and talk really, really fast like this. And it's not good for presentations. <laughs> um, and so a week before demo day, I freaked out a little bit. I was like, well, you have to do it. I can't do it. I don't want to do it. This is, shouldn't be me. This isn't who I am. I'm an engineer. I should be coding behind a computer. Or building something, I shouldn't be in front of people. Why? Why? Why am I doing this? Um, but eventually, he calmed me down. He was like, "Look, Sydney, you know, this is your story. This isn't my story. Um, you're the person who met Jack. You're the person who's driving all of this. You need to be the person up there." And so I took a breath and I got up and did the whole thing, and um, and it went really well. And I was nervous. I was so nervous. I was shaking up there on stage, holding the mic. That like, doesn't happen. That's, that doesn't happen to be the background photo on your LinkedIn profile where you're standing on the stage. That's that one. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. It was in a big theater. I couldn't see anybody. I was on this big stage. There's a huge screen behind me and I'm literally shaking. My voice is shaking. I can hear it. I've never done a presentation in front of this many people ever before in my life um but you know I, I feel like I keep getting to this point and then changing the subject but it went well um at intermission I had a couple investors come up to me and one of them comes up to me and he just goes I'm in <laughs> what the fuck now were you was the, in? was the was the pitch excuse my language you can that that that, that, that presentation <laughs> Um, you were looking for funding in that presentation. You were trying to find investors in that presentation. That was the goal. Essentially, yeah. That that is okay. demo day okay. is, but is you, connecting but, to investors. But demo day is connecting to investors. You're not like saying here's here's what you can buy in for. You're not pitching any numbers or equity I, or cap. At None this point, we were not. We there was no C corp. There was still no LLC. Oh, okay. We weren't. Okay. Oh, you know, okay. we we're okay. incorporated. We didn't have the option really, if somebody wanted to come in, we didn't really have okay. that available yet. All right. You're gauging interest, more, in, gauging interest exactly. in trying to connect. And he walks up and says, I'm in. And you're like, okay, cool. Uh, and he says, 1 million. He says, I'm in. And I just kind of stood there and I was like, what does that mean? You're in. And there's somebody next to me. I still don't know to this day who it was, but I think she was a professional at Cal Poly. There's somebody next to me that was like, ask him to get coffee with you. <laughs> like, Do something. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, um, you want to grab breakfast, like talk more about this. I ended up connecting with him. He left town that day. So I met him in, uh, in Berkeley. He's from San Francisco, um, and got coffee with him a week later. And he had a check written and ready to hand me before any meeting after that one presentation. Wow. And no, no pitch deck. No, like, no, 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 none. Of okay. Well, he saw me present and that was it. Was he saying, did he say when he, when he handed you the check, did he say, by the way, I want this piece, this, this amount of the company? Was he pitching well, that? At that point? Yes. At that point we had gone to our advisors and figured out, okay, 
Okay. What makes sense for us? We were able to set the terms. Um, we got a convertible note. We figured all of that part out. We incorporated. We did all. Yeah, we did all the things okay. that we needed to do um, to you be able had, to accept his money. But he, but he gave me a check before I had a bank account to put it in. <laughs> like I like had that. a physical check. I was like, I've never held this much money in my life. Like, what do I do with this? Can you tell us how much it is or no? Fifty thousand dollars. Fifty thousand dollars. Now, at that point, you were living off of the, what, the $10,000? The $10,000 grant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. So I was actually still in school at this point. We got our first funding while I was still in school. I still had six months left of school. Okay. All right. You still had six months left of school. You're living. So in I didn't some... pay myself until after I graduated. All right. All right. You're living in, you're living in some little apartment eating ramen noodles every day or what, what, what's. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get fifty thousand dollars. You call your found your co-founder. You're like, we got fifty thousand dollars. I could just you probably go out that night, celebrate a little bit, a couple of drinks. <laughs> yeah, I'm not very good at that. I should be better about it. I remember when we closed our first million dollar round. I kind of walked into the meeting and said, "All right, that's done. What's next?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, I know I'm that I should be good. better about celebrating uh, the wins. It's one of the things that's kind of on my list, but I'm very like you know, what's next, what's next, what's next. Yes, yes, yes. Has all, have all the money you've raised so far, is it PE, VC, or just private angel folks or what, or a mix or what is it? So the round that we're doing right now is the first uh, VC money that we're getting in on board. Um, okay. It's led by True Wealth Ventures here in Austin, Texas. Okay. Um, so that's going to be the first kind of bigger round that we're doing up to this point. It's all been angel investors, pretty much a couple small VCs like Kern Venture Group is invested in us and, and um, uh, Wilson Sun Senior lawyers are invested in us. But other than that, it's been all angels or angel groups up to this mm. point. This is the first time that we're getting real VCs involved. Good to have your counselors as, as investors. That's, that's nice. Keep, keep, keep your, keep your, your, your lawyers close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, been great. Will this will this be the first round where you officially lose control of the cap table and Sydney no longer owns the majority of the company? Will this will this push you into that phase? Yes, it will. How are you? How are you feeling about that? That's a that's another moment we should take a pause right there for aspiring entrepreneurs. There's always that. Well, not always, but a lot of times when you're raising cash, eventually there's that moment where you go home and you crawl in bed and you think, okay. When we close this round, technically, as of tomorrow, I won't be in control anymore. Mm -hmm. I still got the title, and they're still saying they believe in me, and I'm still running the business. But really, if the shit hit the fan, they're in control. So you're about to hit that moment. How are you feeling about it? I feel confident that we have the right partners on board. Okay. I feel so lucky to have the investors that we have. I mean, you know everything hasn't been amazing this whole time and you know COVID hit and we had to kind of change strategies and we had to you know make some changes and talk to people about changing expectations a little bit and our investors have all been so incredibly supportive I feel so lucky because this is not the way that it's been for everybody I know founders who are just yes. getting called and yelled at nonstop from their investors yes. because they're not hitting their sales targets because things are changing because there are things out of their control that are changing what's happening in the business right now, in the world right now. Um, and I, I feel incredibly, incredibly lucky that actually that first investor that I was just telling you about um, when COVID hit, I think it was must've been like June of 2020, he called, or maybe it was May. I don't know. It was some, some time early on in COVID, but it was definitely like there were shutdowns happening and it wasn't like yeah. the, just the very beginning. And he called me and I remember getting that call and being like, Oh crap. <laughs> and I answered it and sure. he's like, Sydney, how are you doing? What can I do to help you right now? And I almost cried. Oh, I thought that was so sweet. I thought yeah. it was so incredibly supportive of him to be calling me and seeing how he can help, not telling me that, you know, I need to fix the pandemic. <laughs> right, right. Very cool. How much cash have you raised total so far? 
About 1.5 million. 1. 5 before million. this round that we're doing. Can you tell us what this round's going to be? No. Can't tell us. I can't enough. tell you what this round's going to be. Okay. Not yet. All right. But is it still open? Can you still get in or it's done? It's baked. It's still open. Um, it's pretty subscribed right now, but we can oversubscribe a little bit more. There's, you know, a little is bit somebody, left, but really not. Uh, by the time we launch this, by, by the, oh, you're not looking for any more. Okay. All right. Very if, good. If the right partner comes along, I will have a conversation. Okay. If they're interested, then um, what's the best way to get a hold of you if that type of person wants to get a hold of you? What should they do? Sydney at darodevices.com is my email. S I D N E Y at darodevices.com. Okay. So, <clears throat> by the way, it's Dayor Devices um, is the quote parent company. And mm -hmm. I guess um, next, next stride, stride is the is, product. Is the product, yeah. right? Okay. Um, there's no parent company webpage. It's the product webpage, which is getnextstride.com. Is that accurate? If you type in darodevices.com, it'll just take you to the same website. Yep. But yes, everything too. everything customer facing is next drive created. Why that company name, by the way? How'd you come up with that parent company name? Have you ever been to San Luis Obispo? I have. Have you ever been to Montaña de Oro? I don't think so. It's a national park about 30 minutes outside of Slow. Oh, no, minutes. I haven't. Yeah, no. Mm. Um, it is the most beautiful place I've ever been in my entire life. And when we were trying to find a name for the company, we are trying to think of places or things that made us all feel kind of calm and confident and secure, things that we want our customers to feel. Um, and we didn't want it to be device specific because we plan to have a portfolio of products. Um, and so we wanted it to be a little bit vague, but meaningful to us. Oh, okay. Which is how we got from Montana Dayoro. We took the Dayoro and made it Dayoro Devices. I like it. Now, if somebody wants to get a hold of you personally too, can they also connect with you on LinkedIn? Can they send you a LinkedIn Absolutely. connection request? Sydney Collin. Okay. And all right. Very good. Total employees right now? Right now we have four total employees. Okay. So pretty small. We're going to be, we're going to yeah. be hiring pretty aggressively this year. Yeah. By the way, I know this really good recruiting firm called, called Riderflex. I know the guy that. Oh yeah. You, uh, <laughs> His name is Steve Urban. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is hard to hire out there right now. Uh, so, uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. We will, yes. we will definitely be needing your help. It is crazy busy for us right now because of that. Yeah, people are having... The, the talent is out there, but in, in a lot of cases, people like yourself, they just don't have time. They just don't have... Like, mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't mind meeting... Um, finalist candidates right like send me send me three or four finalists and okay i'll, I'll meet those but like all the other leg yeah. work to get to that point people like you like they just don't have time they don't have well time. that's how i feel right now because i'm trying to make sure i'm trying to run everything in parallel right i'm trying to run all these parallel processes where it's like okay let's get all the legal documents done for this round to be closed <laughs> and get the funding let's make sure that once that funding comes in that we have everything set up to hit the ground or running um, to be able to hit the milestones that we said we were going to hit with this funding round. And to be able to do that, I need people hired by the time the round's closed. So I'm trying to do the fundraising, which is a full-time job, do the recruiting, which is a full-time job, and run the actual company that's happening right now, which is three full-time jobs. So I feel like I'm kind of running around like a headless chicken. <laughs> you, left, you left a couple of things out. Uh, take care of yourself physically oh, yeah, and, emotional, yeah. and emotionally. And oh, by the way, spend time with your new friend in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. All no, in, in, all, in all seriousness, though, it is something that I really need to focus on and, and do. And I don't think, like, I think it's really easy to get up here and advocate for, get up here, get on a conversation with you and advocate for, you know, like, this is what startup life is. It's all about the grind. You just got to do it and put your head down and don't have fun and don't enjoy yourself and don't be happy. Um, but I don't think that works. I think that that's the message you get out of Silicon Valley, but I don't think it works. I have done it. Um, and, I, you know, my sister was in the hospital and I didn't show up because I said, I can, I'm running a company. Mm. Yeah, that's that stuff. I've you made that mistake. Yeah, you can't go back and do that again. It's not like a movie. You can't press rewind and do that over. See, 
Um, I, I totally agree. And I would just, and I know we're almost out of time. I want to ask you one more question, uh, but for the listeners, even myself, I'll just tell you from experience running recruiting firm RiderFlex uh, as a founder, you know, we're only, we're, we're like a million five uh, boutique recruiting mm-hmm. firm, right? So it's a, it's a real, it's a business. We have employees. It's not huge, but it's super stressful. And I have found that when I disconnect and I live in Colorado, yeah. so I will turn I will leave the laptop at home. I'll, I'll go up into the mountains and I'll camp for a few days by myself solo. Yeah. And I'll go to an area where I do not have cell phone reception. Yeah. And I will come back 48 hours later and I'll come back with new ideas. I'll come back with, yeah. with thoughts, with thoughts of creativity that I just didn't have to give my brain time for. I feel refreshed. I feel recharged. I feel it's just, it's, I can't tell you how important that is to really do as yeah. a founder. Like you do need to find your, your thing, whatever that is and disconnect. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out kind of where this balance is and how to make it all happen, how to make it all work. Um, and I think it's really easy to say, Oh, I'll take a break when, you know, but there's never, you never get to a point where you're like, okay, now things feel good. And I'm going to take a break because that's what startup life is, right? It's always moving and it's always changing. And, and there's always pressure to do something, to do more. But like- I, as I, as I said, you know, i I did the whole like heads down, don't talk to anyone, don't do anything, only prioritize your company and it doesn't work. What ends up happening is yes, I can check things off a list, but I can't think strategically. I'm not there, you know, I'm doing things, but I'm not putting my best foot forward in any circumstance. But majority of my job is to be the face of the company is to go meet with investors is to, you know, do presentations. And if I am, you know, overwhelmed past my ability, not taking care of myself, I cannot be present in those conversations. I cannot represent the company. Well, I cannot make any strategic decisions that are going to help move the company forward. Um, and so I, I realized that and I kind of do the same thing, Steve, is, is try and go camping as much as I can and leave my phone at home, go on a hike, leave my phone at home. Because if I have it with me, if it buzzes, I'm there, you know? Yeah. So. Very good advice, Sydney. Love what you're doing. Congratulations on everything you guys are building. Congratulations on the new round that's about to close because now you. you can develop even more and you... And by the way, you do sell direct to the consumer. I forgot to mention that really quick before, before we hang up. So if you want to buy the product, you, go, you can go to getnextstride.com, right? To, to get information and buy the product directly from your website. Is that right? That's correct. Okay, very good. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about the business model and whether or not you're selling to uh, physical therapists or any. You have to come back on the show. After you close this round and it takes off more, we'll have to have you back. That sounds great. Sydney, thank you very much for being on the Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's great to talk.